Finally, finally, right? The angels are singing it. A new star is announcing it. The Messiah is born. He's here, finally. And yet, a whole lot of people have absolutely no idea. In fact, virtually everyone, but a very few people, a handful of marginal people, are completely oblivious to what just happened. We talk about an anticlimax. Thousands of years building up to this moment. Nobody sees it. And maybe a good, a good anticlimax is just a proper Christmas for 2021. If there's something that these past two years have taught us is what an anticlimax feels like. Or what a sequence of devastating anticlimaxes feels like. Like every time we think we're getting to the top of that ridge and we're going to start getting out of this pandemic and walking out of it. Every time we think now it's going to happen, we get a new fresh anticlimax. A new variant, a new restriction, a new fear. And this last one, right, it landed neatly on our Christmas holidays. Of course. And I know I talked about this last Sunday already, but it's hard to shake that feeling, right, or the moment that we're in. It's sort of this. We come to our Christmas service, but can we? Can't we? And we all carry this feeling in our bodies. This autumn semester here in OIC, we've been talking about stained glass windows as a metaphor. A metaphor for how, for how all the stories and symbols of our Christian faith, how they need to be shined through with the light of Christ in order to cast meaning and transformation onto our lives as a community of faith. They tell a story, they show something, but they need to be shined through over us. But sometimes... Sometimes it may feel a bit like the stained glass windows that framed the altar at Bakihauen Church, where we used to, where OIC used to meet uh, for several years. So there at Bakihauen Church, you had these, these windows that went around the altar. And they cast these beautiful colored patterns on the floor of the church, from the altar onto the floor of the church. But the thing is, you only got to see them when all the lights inside were shut off. Which means that nobody saw them. So I would often see them when everyone had left and I was locking up the building. The last thing you do is turn off the lights, right? Clean everything, put everything away, turn off the lights. And as I walk out of the church, I would see those beautiful patterns on the floor. And I would think, this is beautiful. Where is everybody? Where is everybody? They should see it. They just missed it. 
And here we have it. The light of the world is shining, breaking the clouds of revelation and casting the fullness of God onto our dusty ground. But who even sees it? Who recognizes it? The coming of the Messiah had been expected and had been spoken in prophecy for hundreds and thousands of years. It was the expressed hope of many living in the very land where Jesus was born. And yet, less than a handful of people saw it coming. And those who saw it coming was only because they had been told so directly by some direct revelation from God. Angels telling them, go to this specific place. This is where it's happening. And even after it came, even after Jesus was born and grew up, very few recognized what was going on for what it was. Very few recognize it as the coming of the Messiah, the Savior and Redeemer. We have the shepherds here in this story that we read today. And guided and enlightened by the words of the angel, they, they went there. And they saw the baby in the manger. And they spread the word. But even here, it's, it's interesting that St. Luke tells us that <coughs> all who heard this, were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So Luke doesn't say that they were amazed at the baby. They were amazed at the words of the shepherds. What is this all about? What are you guys talking about? Could this be true? What are, you, what are these people talking about? And here's the thing. Shepherds at that time, at the first century in Israel, were not trustworthy sources. They weren't considered trustworthy people. Their witnesses weren't even accepted in a court. So if there was an illegal issue and your only witness is a shepherd, doesn't count. Doesn't count. Not trustworthy. So these are the people spreading the word that Jesus was born. And during the years that followed, some people believe the words of Jesus. Some people recognize him as the Messiah, his disciples, some of the people that followed him. But so many more, his family included, struggled to believe him and at some points were even outright against him. Why? Why was the coming of Jesus so unexpected? Why did people struggle so much to recognize it? With all the prophecies and everything, and the witnesses and all, and the miracles and the teachings, why was it still so hard to see, and many, and for many, even unwelcome? Now, of course, we can't know for sure what went through the heads of people at the time, but I think we can consider a few possibilities. Maybe some people found themselves on a similar situation to Zechariah, whom we talked about a few weeks ago. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, right? Praying for something that they didn't really believe would happen. 
praying for a hope that was part of their tradition, part of the tradition of their community of faith, but that they didn't really, really think was going to happen. After all those years expecting the Messiah, they really wanted him to come on some theoretical level, but they weren't quite ready to see it happen just then and there in their lifetime. And definitely not with this boy being born in a Bethlehem manger of some sort. Maybe that's part of it. But I think that biblical testimony gives us reason to believe in at least one more reason why people might have struggled to believe and to see what was happening. And that is that we often read prophecy. We often read God's word to fit our perspective and not necessarily to try to understand what God is up to. And the Bible is full of this dynamic. The history of the church is full of this dynamic. We read the word of God in order to understand what we want, right? To fit our perspective. And we're more concerned of what's in it for me and for my situation than with trying to understand what God is up to. So God breaks our expectations because our expectations are so often misguided and self-guided. They're about ourself. But then here you have a God who comes closer and deeper into the reality of sin, into the reality of history, deeper into the reality of human life than we ever had deemed possible and ever would have thought comfortable. Here we have a Messiah who has shepherds as witnesses, who comes from Galilee. Galilee is the corner of the land. Nobody cares about Galilee. Here we have a Messiah who was a refugee, running from violent authorities and having to run to Egypt and back. Here we have a Messiah who was born in poverty, just like most people at his time, but definitely not like royalty. And especially, here we have a God coming as a human coming as a baby. And we're so used to this idea being thrown around in Christian settings and, you know, just that we, we sometimes forget how absurd and unexpected this idea was and still is. That this dusty shepherd, that this Sorry, this dusty carpenter, this dusty guy and wandering preacher from Galilee. It's God. And in fact, throughout church history, that has been a favorite among all our heresies 
and has come in so many different shapes and forms, which is different attempts to try to explain away the incarnation of Jesus Christ. To try to put some distance between us and God. Because we can't handle a God that is that close. Maybe that's why people struggle to see what was going on. And it's worth asking then, why might Jesus' birth still go unnoticed to us today? Not the story in itself, but what it means. Why might the birth of Jesus still go unnoticed to us today? Of course, we know about it, but in the sense that we see it, that it touches us. Right? We know of the window, of the stained glass window with the image of the baby boy on the manger. But why might we actually miss the light shining through it on us? Well, to make the question differently, even though we do know the Christmas stories and the Christmas carols and all, and we sing them out loud every year, uh, we know all of this, but what images of Messiah, what images of God have we developed that might hinder us from recognizing Christ for who he is or who might distract us from the light? And maybe, maybe the way we celebrate Christmas itself shows something of our struggle with the idea of a God coming too close. We tend to depict Jesus' birth in this romanticized, you know, isolated stable on a hillside with just a few very discreet and well-educated shepherds kneeling down by his glowing manger. And then we bring in the kings, which by all we know weren't even kings and weren't there at the birth, but, you know, bring some glory in. Make it look nice. And we romanticize the whole thing. And by romanticizing it, we make it less close. Something that, is, that belongs more in some elevated form of art, in some painting, in some beautiful, lofty, stained glass window on a big cathedral, at a special holiday of the year, but not something that belongs in the stories of my neighborhood. Something belonging in a distant past, maybe in a hopeful future, but not something belonging in a year of pandemic. Not something belonging in the untidiness of our own realities here and now where we are. But by all we know, Joseph and Mary's Christmas was a mess. It was a mess. They were having a kid on the road that were poor. And they were most likely in a crowded village. Like everybody that had to register within the family of David had to go to Bethlehem. 
There's no room. There's no space. They're probably in a crowded house, not in an isolated stable somewhere. It's hard to know exactly what, what they mean by the text, by, but if we look at the historical archaeological evidence, most likely what they mean by saying there's no room for them, what they mean is there's no private room for you. There's too much people. So you've got to stay in the room, in the house, where the animals are and where all the people are walking in and out and all the action is happening. And that's where Jesus is being born, in the middle of the mess. They don't go to the stable because it looks cozy and isolated and looks good on Instagram. That's just where it happens because there's nowhere else to go. There was nothing neat, nothing clean, nothing shiny about their Christmas. Mary doesn't get to get a shower after the birth. You know, it's a mess. So while we would rather have perfect conditions for our Christmas celebration, Christmas is the story of a God who comes real close and real deep. And this means that God comes into the mess where we actually need him and where we actually live. It's not polished. It's not clean because our reality isn't. It isn't. And we do our best to isolate and separate suffering, to put disease in the hospital, to put death in home for the elderly, to hide our tired eyes with makeup. But God comes into the reality of life. And in a way, it's ironic that we often go through so much effort to make everything look perfect and spotless for Christmas. We plan perfect meals. We decorate our house meticulously. We put our best clothes and our best social smiles, and we give gifts to those relatives that we haven't given any time to throughout the year. And we try to make it through the celebration looking very neat and civilized, like an Instagram picture of our lives. But then we realize <laughs> that's not what Christ came for. And that's not what Christ came into. Bethlehem was crowded and dirty and full of inconvenient people, just like our lives. When the light of God is allowed to shine through the story of Christmas onto the ground of our realities, onto the dust that we actually step on and that sticks to the soles of our feet and to our very souls. When the light of God is allowed to shine through the story of Christmas onto that, it will show our reality with all that it entails. And that's where the gospel is. It's saying there, there, God is with you. God is with us.
in the middle of all of that. God in Christ came so close to our mess that he slept in our animal's feeding plate. And it's not our job to clean up the nativity scene. It's not our job to clean up the story of Jesus. It's our job to kneel down and worship and let the light shine on us. And it is in years like this one, it is in lives like ours, that Christmas is gospel, that it's good news. Lives like the one that you know about yourself. We all do our best to look fine, to look okay. We all know our ghosts. We all know the sticky, weird corners of our lives. We all know where our monsters feed. Do we have the ears to hear and the eyes to see that that's where God is with us? I think if we get that right, if we wield that dust and blood into our faith, and into our celebrations, then we might very well decorate our houses for Christmas and make the best meals. And treat the people as best we can and try to give the best presents that we can. Not because we want to hide, but because we dare to hope. We dare to hope that because Christ comes into that precise reality, because light shines in the darkest corner of our lives and of this world, because of that, there's hope, there's a future, there's life, there's the ability to love and to show grace. There is the ability to set full tables in the middle of the wilderness. On this Christmas that we celebrate in a year of pandemic, a year of struggle, a year of sorrow, maybe not directly for all of us, but for those around us and the world around us, My prayer is that we will be a people who dare say that God came close and that because he is with us, we hope. May the Lord 
make his face of light shine onto you. May you know the grace of God where you are. And may the Lord turn his face towards you. And there where he sees you, may he give you peace. So go. Go in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who came, the one who is with you, the one who goes ahead, the one who always will be. Go and serve the Lord and serve the world. Serve each other joyfully.